0: Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program on this first Saturday morning in December. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. We're honored to have you with us. You can follow the show on Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, other social media platforms. The social media handle is at btgprogram. You can also check out our website, btgprogram.com. Something must have been in the air the other night, Zach, during college basketball, and I am speaking about Monday night. The amazing thing about sports, especially when you've been a fan for as many years as I have been. And I don't say that to suggest that I'm some sort of expert because I've been following it so long. All I'm saying is I'm older than you are. And, you know, (laughs) this is true. I've seen some things. And and with each year that passes, I see more stuff. But the amazing thing is. You, you continue to see things that you never saw before. And the other night, Monday night was one of those things, and, and I saw two things on one night that I had never seen before. This past Monday, the Manhattan Jaspers committed 40 turnovers against <laughs> West Virginia. Now, a lot causing a lot of turnovers is really not a shock. You expect West Virginia to force turnovers. Bob Huggins coaches that up. The Mountaineers have been at the top or at least close to it each of the last few years. No surprise. But while they are creating turnovers at an average of over 30% of their opponent's possessions, they forced 40. 40. That's now, There's that's, only 40 minutes in a game.
2: That's an outrageous number.
0: Yeah, I, it doesn't even seem possible. That's one a minute. One Jasper player committed 11 turnovers in 19 minutes.
2: <laughs> I, I'd love to see how many points they scored off of turnovers. Because I bet it's just crazy. I
0: don't. I don't know how many they they scored off those, but it. Listen, forty turnovers. That had to be a significant number. I mean, this poor guy probably got the guy who committed eleven and nineteen minutes. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't look. Don't pass me the ball. I'm not interested. Uh, man, get him I, next time. Yeah, and you just. I've never seen anything like that. Forty turnovers on the same night. Brown defeated Bryant 90, 91 to ninety trailing by one with 3.8 seconds left. A freshman guard for Bryant takes the inbound pass, and then he proceeds to dribble out the clock. Obviously, he lost track of the score, thinking he was up one instead of down one. He had to be in a fairly thick fog, because if you've seen the clip, he's dribbling out the clock. His, his teammates are calling for the ball, and he's not here. And in fact, when the when the clock expires, he throws the ball up in the air, and the other team won. <laughs> He didn't realize until he just having I, trouble reading the scoreboard, or what? I I don't know, but it was it was this awkward moment where he thinks they won he they won. And he throws the ball up in the air. He's going over to his teammates looking for high fives. There's no high fives to be had. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, what are you doing? Dude, was there a was there a full moon on Monday night, or
0: what? I like, never seen those two things in my life. And of course, that isn't as bad as say a professional doing something similar. This wasn't Monday. But J.R. Smith of the Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> I saw this. suffered a little bit of a brain lapse. And then he offered this ridiculous explanation for the gaff somewhat afterwards. Smith is down on the corner of the baseline, giving, giving hugs to Jason Terry of the Milwaukee Bucks near the Bucks bench. Meanwhile, the Bucks inbound the pass, and it's just a simple layup because Smith is ignoring the fact he's supposed to be on defense. The Cavs lost 118 to 101 had nothing to do with that play. It's just a little bit of embarrassment. And Smith tells reporters after the game, I didn't know I was in the game. My bad. Now, he sends back but a little bit, says he was just toying, playing it off, whatever. But you didn't, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but if you didn't know you were in the game, yeah. you should have. Why would you be down there mm-hmm. if you weren't in the game? You'd be with your own, with your own team. Yeah, that's weak sauce. Uh, if you saw the video, he's wearing a hoodie. He's got it zipped all the way up to his chin. He's wearing some sort of mask, so only his eyes are showing. I mean, he's mumbling like a ninja through the- or something. I thought he looked like Kenny on <laughs> South Park. <laughs> it's not bad enough that you are pulling no-brainer, which, all right, it happens, but then you act like an eight-year-old trying to hide it, and it's- just I pathetic. saw uh,
2: on the internet today, I saw like a spoof headline. It might have actually been from The Onion. It was like from The Onion or something like that. And I had a picture of him in a tuxedo and it said, J.R. Smith misses his own wedding while hugging Jason Terry. <laughs> it was all oh, – the internet is, is just having so much fun with this.
0: It it was a f- humorous moment and I'm sure he's embarrassed. I'm sure he's embarrassed. Um, but do you wonder if Jason Terry kind of knowing J.R. Smith, knowing his reputation sort of baited him into that – Hey, man, what's up? Come on over. Hey. Oh, I have no doubt. Oh, that's great. Los Angeles Rams legend Eric Dickerson this week said he vowed that he will never go to a Rams game as long as Jeff Fisher is the team's coach. Dickerson stressed that point again by saying, I won't be at the Coliseum as long as Fisher is coaching. I'm a man of my word, and if I tell you something, I'm going to do it.
2: So he's basically a Rams fan because I don't think any of them want to see that team play either.
0: (laughs) Dickerson told a radio station in L.A. early Monday that someone from the Rams, and he was taking the high road here. He didn't give anybody's name. He said, and we found out later, it's Jeff Fisher, but he didn't say that. He said someone from the Rams, someone told him he was not welcome on the team sideline. Apparently he had requested a couple of sideline passes and they were not made available for him. The Rams however said through a tweet by COO Kevin Demhoff that Dickerson is always welcome at practice and at games and he's added that he's never been uh, there's never been any message to the contrary. Dickerson has a talk radio show in LA and says he that he had a conversation with Jeff Fisher. And Jeff told him that some of the players and the coaches were concerned about some of the negative things he's been saying about them on a the show and about the team itself, and that he he was uncomfortable having him on the sidelines. And they were uncomfortable having him on the sidelines. Dickerson elaborated a bit, and then basically it comes down – it really comes down to he and Fisher saying different things. Demhoff seemingly just trying to be the diplomat to keep everybody happy. Yeah. you know, it, And this isn't the first time we've seen a star of a team – you know, it reminds me of Yogi Berra, the many years he stayed away oh, yeah. from Yankee Stadium. So this is the first time something like this has happened. But the Hall of Famer Dickerson is quoted as as telling Fisher that you can go anyplace. You can go back to Tennessee. You can go to Cleveland. You can go to South Carolina. Still, I'm going to be Eric Dickerson of the Los Angeles Rams. That's why I wear that gold jacket. I have the right to say what I say. I'm not trying to hurt the players. Uh, it goes on. I'm a frustrated player and a frustrated fan. I watch this every week. I love the players. I'm always a player first. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, I, and I'm with him to that point. But I don't imagine Fisher probably took too kindly to drop in the Hall of Fame card. You know, we know you're a Hall of Famer. And you, that's not what gives you the right to say what you want to say because you're a Hall of Famer. Yes, it gives you a, some added respect. It, it carries some weight. But you can't rip people and expect them then to hook you up, you know, with some sideline tickets. Yeah. Eric, I, I'm sorry.
2: Oh, see, I viewed it completely differently, to be honest. I viewed it as just his credentials and that what he says carries more weight because he's a Hall of Famer and knows what he's talking about. That's how I saw it. But you know, I wasn't there either, so what do I know?
0: Eric Dickerson was a great player, but he doesn't have a reputation for being well liked. I remember I was a bit of a a closet Rams fan. I liked the Rams uh, back when. A friend of mine liked the Rams. So we ended up seeing a few Rams games on TV, and, and I liked them. I liked Jim Everett. I, li- I liked the Rams. I mean, they were never one of my favorites, but I liked them. Mm-hmm. But I remember Eric Dickerson, and he was always sort of a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> you know, he just – the Rams themselves uh, – they were anxious to get rid of him. You know, They didn't m- mind seeing him go to the Colts. They had an opportunity to move on to Jerome Bettis. They, they, He wasn't a well-liked guy. So you already have this bit of a reputation, and you carry yourself with a bit of an attitude. And that sets people off. But here's what I saw as the problem. Jeff Fisher says that he would love to see Dickerson at the games. He would love to see him at the practices and at the meetings. But he doesn't. We have that clip of, of Jeff Fisher. Why don't you play that?
1: I don't know where that's coming from. I had a really good conversation with Eric last week, and um, we welcome we welcome the alums, we welcome the tradition and the history, and you know. And I, I, Eric's not been to practice. Uh, the last mm-hmm. time I saw Eric in person was at Oaks Christian High School prior to, in a walkthrough prior to going out to practice against the Cowboys.
0: So here's the thing. Dickerson's talking about the team without coming to the practices, without coming around the players, and yet he wants sideline passes for himself and some of his friends. If you don't come around the players, you're not interacting with them except for parading yourself on the sidelines occasionally during games. Then, then then, it's a Hall of Famer of that team – You can't be going on the radio and ripping them on your show. Now, maybe a media personality can. Maybe a Jim Rome can. He's a radio host out there in L.A., but he's not a former member of the team. Players aren't really going to care what Jim Rome says. He's never been one of them. Eric Dickerson has. Eric Dickerson's a player. Most reports I've heard on this story is now ripping Fisher and the Rams for excluding Dickerson because he criticized the team. And many media people will pick this up and they want to run with it because what they see from their perspective is one of their own. They're seeing a radio personality being denied access to the team. And and Dickerson wants to drop the Hall of Fame card, but he, he needs to be player first. He's saying he's saying he's playing player first. I you know, I love the players, I care about the players. But he's being radio guy first. He wants to talk about them and he isn't bothering to even come around and get, getting to know them, hanging around them, finding out, you know, what the real inside story is. You can't have the perks that come with being a former player when you're using those perks to rip the current players. Dude, go to the practices. That's all. Go to the practices. You, you have an open invitation. You are a Hall of Famer. You're Eric Dickerson. You can go. Go to the practices, go to the meetings, and then give your opinion because then it's founded in something. There's some basis Mm -hmm. to it. For now, you're just commenting on stories that you, you know, things you see at the game, which I can do the same thing watching on TV just so the rest of us. So why should they give him the access? I give Jeff Fisher actually a lot of credit. And I'm not a big Jeff Fisher fan, you know, as everybody else. We, he's the king of 500 football, you know. I think
2: that's probably part of the reason why everyone is taking the Eric Dickerson side, is that Jeff Fisher is not a good coach and nobody really seems to like him. So naturally, it becomes an anti-Jeff Fisher thing.
0: And, but I give him a lot of credit for calling Eric Dickerson. Fisher said it was him who had that conversation with Eric. There's clearly a disconnect, but good for Fisher for seeking out Dickerson in an attempt to clear it up. Mm -hmm. I think he's right to deny Dickerson the access if he's he's not using that access for the good of the team. Why does he need to give the guy access to the players if he's just going to rip them? Most players already know if they had a bad game. They expect to get criticized in the press, but most of those reporters are who are criticizing the players, are covering the team at practices, they're at the press conferences, etc., and Eric Dickerson apparently isn't. Now, you and I, we try to be very careful when we talk about a story. You know, I, we don't have the access that some of these other people do, so really, as you already alluded what do we know? I can only go on what I see and what I read, but Eric Dickerson is a former Ram. You know, he can get the full story if he wanted to, but it sounds like he prefers to Parade himself, his own celebrity on game day, and then pretend he has the inside scoop. And that's definitely going to make some people uncomfortable. But I think there's a few things we can take away. We can learn a lesson from this. One, don't go around criticizing people without even talking to them. You know, people aren't going to take kindly to that. Nope. And are you you even making an effort to know them, understand them, see things on their turf? Maybe if he went to the practices, he would. And if you do end up in a situation where there is a disagreement, go to them about it. And that's what I think I, I admire about Jeff Fisher for doing that. Don't talk to everyone else. Talk to him. Matthew 18, verses 15 and 16 says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. You know, Jeff Fisher went to him. Maybe should have went to him again and taken a couple other people so that we have what actually took place. Anyway, we've got another full show for you today, so please do stick around. We're going to get into the Tom Herman taking the head coaching job at Texas. Was that fair to the kids at Houston? Did he play LSU as a patsy? We're also going to discuss tanking in professional sports. Does it work? Would you want your favorite team to do it? And of course, Zach's going to bring us some shenanigans. You can find previous broadcasts and more information about us and about the program right on our website, btgprogram.com. Our show is mainly listener-supported, so if you so if you feel so led, you can also make a secure donation right there on the website. Help us reach new markets and keep our show on the air. You can follow us on such sites, as I said, at the top of the show, Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, at BTG Program. Studio line is open for you. The number is 585-431-1202. And by the way, you can leave your comments on the show, anything that you've heard on the show and want to talk about it. You can leave your take right there anytime, day or night, 585-431-1202. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought
1: to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse bee and even fly problem for me yes my house is old and falling apart and i get all sorts of pest problems and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic basement or walls if you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't call town and country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television.
2: That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV
0: channel with programming from peewee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku channel store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Welcome back once again, and thanks for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program, Mixing Sports and Faith, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. You know, I I think this is the best sports show that you're on, Zach. Without a doubt. I think this is easily the number one sports show that you are on. (laughs) Why don't you take us through some of your shenanigans statements for this week?
1: But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic.
0: Which makes them not
2: shenanigans at all, really. Evil
0: shenanigans.
2: Wait, am I the cheeky and fun shenanigans or the evil shenanigans?
0: We'll let the listeners decide.
2: (laughs) Alright, first off. Last year, no teams from Canada made it into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So far, three Canadian teams, Montreal, Ottawa, and Edmonton, are in playoff position this year. So, truth or shenanigans? There will be more than one Canadian team in the playoffs this season.
0: I agree, there'll be more than one. I think Montreal is a good pick to make the playoffs. They're a solid team.
2: They've built a nice cushion so far. Yeah. H-
0: however, it's still it's. I mean, it's real early. You know, it's there's a bunch of teams around those final playoff spots. If you look at the first eight right now, there's a bunch of teams there. I don't know. I, I'm not sold on Ottawa. But I would say, yes, I agree, because there's a couple of those teams, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Calgary. One of them's going to join Montreal.
2: I uh, I say shenanigans. I'm starting to come around. Remember, before the season, I did not like Montreal at all. I'm starting to come around on them. I kind of have to. I think they've only lost like four games. You know, they've been amazing. Carey Price is amazing. He looks like an MVP. Um, but remember, they did this last year, too. Yep. And they ended up completely missing the playoffs. Now, Carey Price was injured for a long time.
0: So. Right, so you would say they go as as far yeah. as Carey Price goes.
2: Yeah, right now I'm assuming that they're in, but I'm not. It's not a given. But I think looking at the other Canadian teams, Edmonton is cooling off. Ottawa is playing way over their heads. Their their goalie situation is uncertain because Craig Anderson's been great, but he's taking time away with his wife who has cancer, and you know, unfortunately, and the other Canadian teams right now, Calgary looks like one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Winnipeg's not been that great. Um, So right now I think it's zero or one. I I don't think it's more than one.
0: They're still all bunched up though. Yeah. At the early part of the season. Still very early. I think at least one of those teams will be joining Montreal. So we'll see.
2: The Carolina Hurricanes' Brian Bickle was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, leading to a discussion about whether or not he should be invited to the NHL All-Star Game in a John Scott-type role. Truth or shenanigans, the NHL All-Star Game should include a yearly spot for a role player like Scott or Bickle.
0: What's your opinion on that?
2: I say shenanigans. Um, I feel for the guy with the condition that he has. And every so often when a situation like this arises, I'm totally cool with it. Send him to the All-Star Game, create a real emotional, warm, fuzzy moment. But nobody comes to these games or watches these games to see role players. We want to see the stars. It's an All-Star Game. So... I say no. Plus, I think if you do it every year, you have the the role player fourth line guy every year. I think it becomes a tired thing quickly, and people lose the enthusiasm for it.
0: I agree with you, and I say shenanigans. I it, look, you're right. It's a nice thing, but is it is it a necessary thing? You know, is is there that type of player, by the way, every year who could fill that role? I mean, there is this year, there was last year, but I mean, could it be every year? Uh, the, even though the fans voted in Scott as a laugh, he he enjoyed the experience. I mean, he played extremely well.
2: Yeah, nobody saw it
0: coming. That's not going to happen every year. No, you know. So you got this guy that um, really is a pity pick. And do you want to be a pity pick? I no. I don't I don't imagine they would either. In my opinion, the NHL has the second best all-star game in sports. Mm-hmm. I hate to see them taking steps which will move it closer to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oof, nah. Nobody wants that. R- Washington Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins is reportedly asking for a contract worth 23.94 million dollars per year or the exact amount of the franchise tag. That amount would put him behind only Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, and Drew Brees in yearly quarterback salary. Truth or shenanigans, Cousins is a franchise quarterback and deserves to be paid like one.
0: I agree. Uh, he had a tremendous, tremendous season so far. Mm-hmm. He torched Dallas. I know they lost, but he torched Dallas last week or week before, whatever it was. Last week, I guess yeah. it was. You know, and I'm certain the Redskins would like to pay a little less so they can address maybe some of their other needs, but... Um, They're between a rock and a hard place because if they don't pay him, somebody's going mm-hmm. to. And, you know, he may not be at that top echelon of franchise quarterbacks. I, you know, maybe not an Andrew Luck, a, a Drew Brees, an Aaron Rodgers. But he's certainly in conversation of that next tier with guys like Carson Palmer and some of these others. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, pay the man.
2: I agree. I think you have to pay him. Good quarterbacks are so hard to find in this league and they're so important. I mean, how many, we've seen with the Bills how many years now, a decade and a half, they've been looking for a quarterback, and they finally have a better than average one, but he's putting up fantastic numbers, he's winning games, and I think the important thing to me is they're in such a talented division, there's no bad teams in that division, and the other teams in that division all have their quarterbacks. So if you're going to keep up in that division and be a contender, which they look like, you've got to keep your quarterback. You're right. All right. Trading Brian McCann means the Yankees are not planning to contend in 2017.
0: Oh, shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't understand the trade even a little bit. I get they unloaded a good chunk of his contract, Mm -hmm. but uh, they didn't unload all of it. No, they're still paying some. They got guys back that are long-range guys. Yeah. They must really like them because, man, but I I don't know why they made that that trade. They could have either got more for him or come up off of less money, but there had to be something. But no, I don't think so. You know, they free up a DH position. Gary Sanchez is going to be their catcher, and now they have a a little more flexibility depending on what they do in the free. No, I don't think it signals that they're not planning to contend at all.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I say shenanigans as well. I think that um, it was about, like you said, freeing up the DH position, giving Sanchez the catcher position, freeing up some money. They still freed up enough money to go get a starting pitcher, which is what I think the plan is, because they need that as as much as they can get. They need starting pitching. Uh, I think that uh, part of the reason that they got this trade was that he had a no-trade clause, and this is probably one of the only places he would agree to go, so they got what they could. But, I mean, the Yankees, they don't throw in the towel. They move resources around, which is what I think this was. Last but not least, now that the Major League Baseball All-Star Game no longer determines home field advantage in the World Series, the game will be much less exciting for fans and less important to players.
0: Let me hear what you have to think about this. I
2: say shenanigans. Uh, I think we talk about this every July when the All-Star Game rolls around. We talk about how stupid it was that it, quote-unquote, mattered for home field advantage we saw the cubs go into the world series with a much better record than the indians but still not have home field advantage because some scrub in the all-star game you know does not a scrub i shouldn't say that i agree with
0: you on that point but not as passionately because the schedules aren't the same Mm -hmm. so i the cubs had a better record but they played different teams than the indians so Mm. you know i agree with you maybe It can go back and forth. But anyway, finish your thought.
2: I think that the All-Star Game is an exhibition game. At its root, it's an exhibition game. It's to show off the best of the best to the fans, and it's not supposed to have consequences later on. It's just supposed to be a fun event. Half the fans that are watching the All-Star Game already know at this point that their teams are out of the running, so they don't care if it has playoff implications or not. If a star player doesn't want to play in the game and doesn't because it doesn't quote-unquote mean anything, that's fine. They've earned some time off. So I say shenanigans.
0: And I say shenanigans too. The game was a fan favorite before they based the World Series on it. And if I remember right, they didn't base the World Series on it because they wanted to increase fan interest. It was because of that stupid tie they had that one year. If I if I remember, that's why they made a few changes. Yeah, they
2: increased the size of the rosters, and they made it, you know, quote-unquote, matter or whatever. But uh, it's so dumb.
0: Yeah, I haven't dug through all of that new CBA agreement, but I th- I think there's more monetary value on the All-Star game now. I, if I thought I read something about that. That's, that's going to keep the players yeah. interested and give them something to play for. The game is a fun game. As you said, it's an exhibition. It's fun. It's more for bragging rights than anything else. Have fun with it. The fans love it. Baseball, the game itself lends itself to this type of exhibition very well. Have some fun. Give the fans a chance to see all the stars that they want to see. And it doesn't have to mean anything. There's nothing wrong with that. And everything doesn't have to carry some sort of significance let let it just be fun and we're not going to have a chance to talk about it this week because of time but you know there's been a lot of talk this week around college football should the conference title games matter look no they don't really matter a lot of the times so and and it's and it's really that a problem we'll we'll talk more about it next week that's when the college football rankings will really make a difference we'll talk about it then and see if they fix what they got wrong this week but um, it's really a lot of times title games are for bragging rights there's nothing wrong with it the the major League baseball all-star game is about an exhibition it's about having a good time it's about you know just it's an exhibition. It's for fun. We're going to take a break. Coming up after the break, we're still going to talk about some tanking in professional sports. Hopefully hopefully, we're going to talk about that, but we are definitely going to talk about some of the college coaching uh, carousel that's been happening. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Hey, no. Okay, here we go. Here's the Red Hawks report for this week, December 3rd, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. A slow week following the Thanksgiving holiday for the Roberts Wesleyan Redhawks. Last Saturday, however, the women's basketball team defeated American International College 83-75. Four players scored in double digits, including freshman guard Taya Andrews, who shot 50% and finished with a game-high 18 points. Brooke Fields added 15 points, while Emily Miller and CeCe James had 12 each. On Wednesday, both the men's and women's basketball teams were tripped up on the road against St. Thomas Aquinas. The women fell 72-57, despite Fields leading all scorers with 17 and getting 14 rebounds from sophomore Taylor Bino. Malik Dare and Quinn Carey each tallied 14 points for the Red Hawks' men, But it wasn't enough to match the number 6 Spartans, who topped Roberts 96-65. Turnovers continue to be the bugaboo for the men, as their 24 turnovers in the game led to 30 Spartan points. Coming up later today, December 3rd, you have an opportunity to see the men's basketball team at home as they take on Chestnut Hill College at 1 p.m. Next Saturday, the 10th of December, both the men and women will be home squaring off against Molloy College in a double bill. The women tip off at 2 p.m., the men at 4. That's the Red Hawks report for this week, December 3rd, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College.
3: Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu
0: welcome back in glad to have you along Benjamin Franklin is alleged to have once said that three may keep a secret if two of them are dead Proverbs eleven thirteen says whosoever goes about slandering reveals secrets but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered I don't know who is in charge down at LSU over this area, whether it's maybe somebody in the sports information department, somebody in the media department, whoever it is. But when it comes to the head coach of their football team, it just seems that people like to talk, that they can't keep a secret. You might recall, Zach, that late last season there were all kinds of rumors and reports that Les Miles was about to be fired. And ironically, it seemed that it was those, those reports which – caused the school to come out in support of Miles. He ended up keeping his job as the school tried to head off reports of him being fired. A great amount of sympathy had built up and after a big win against Texas A&M. And this is at least partially due to the built-up sentiment and sympathy for that, that he was about to be let go. He gets carried off the field. And after the game, LSU Athletic Director Joe Oliva comes out and says that, of course, Miles is the head coach of this team going forward. Five games into this season, though, Miles is gone, and Ed Orgeron, the team's defensive line coach, is named interim head coach. And Ed, is, Ed Orgeron's done a pretty good job. Just last week on Thanksgiving Day, as Orgeron is coaching LSU against the, against the Texas A&M Aggies, of course, rumors and reports are all over the news. The LSU is negotiating with Houston's Tom Herman to become the team's next head coach. If you have a cell phone with one of those apps that notify you, I'm sure you got notified. Herman's number 21 Houston team was taking on Memphis the next day, and because of those rumors linking Herman to LSU, uh, as well as his name being tied to the Texas job, which, by the way, Charlie Strong still was holding at that moment. The conversations leading up to that game, both during, before, after, they were all about Herman's departure. It overshadowed a tremendous football game as Memphis upset Houston. One reporter asked Herman about three different ways prior to the game about the rumors. Of him leaving and going to LSU. And he politely, Herman did, denied it at first. And then he told the reporter, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you hear. And as he continued to get grilled about it, as I say, the reporter asked him like three different ways. As he continued to get grilled about it, he began to get a little more testy. And after being asked if those flatly, if, the, if those rumors were false, he finally says, absolutely, sure. I'm not going to talk about any other job except the one I've got now and these kids. But before the end of the weekend, Strong is dismissed to Texas, and Herman, who wasn't going to talk about any other job just then, being concerned only with the kids at Houston, well, he ditched those kids and is now the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, and he's not going to be on the sidelines for any Houston bowl game. Now, I'm not completely railing on Tom Herman for leaving. I understand that college football recruiting it's it's highly competitive if he's going to gain an edge, he's got to get right to work. I understand that I'm not completely real. I would have liked to have seen him stay on and say, Look I, the right thing to do. I owe it to these kids to coach in this bowl game, but I'm sure there's a lot of things I don't understand, but I do have a little issue with how the whole thing went down, and perhaps he doesn't he may not have as much to do with this as his agent does. But ultimately, the agent does work for him, so he does have some culpability. I'm half-kidding when I say that the people at LSU can't keep a secret or or can't keep rumors from becoming a story in the press. But this is now two years in a row with their football coach. You know, maybe there is a little something to it. And I'm only half-kidding because who knows where those rumors really started. Maybe they were at LSU, LSU maybe they were at Texas, maybe, and I suspect that this was really on Herman's camp, trying to leverage LSU against Texas. But in fairness, there was a lot of reports that said the source of those rumors were actually Texas. Either way, wherever they started, you have to feel for Ed Orgeron. This poor guy, he was also the interim at USC back in 2013. He ended up resigning, leaving USC after being passed over for the permanent job in favor of Steve Sarkeesian which I assume USC would take a mulligan if they, if they could on that decision. LSU's Thanksgiving Day game was on ESPN, and, or, and as Orgeron is coaching the team, it's scrolling on the bottom of the screen that Herman is likely to be named the next head coach at some time over the weekend. Reporters are trying to get confirmation from the AD's box there. I mean, the whole thing was just a circus. And it was so disrespectful to a guy that has done a pretty good job since taking over for Miles. And just as with Miles last year, as a result of many of the reports and rumors, regardless of where they originated, LSU was more or less forced to say something and ended up releasing a statement during the game, during the game that there has been no decision made on who will be the next football coach at LSU. I don't know why a coach is allowed to leave a program for another, yet the players he recruited there, they're not allowed to. You know, those players go there because of that coach, or maybe because of a certain style that that coach prefers. Those players would have to sit out a year if they wanted to go somewhere else. Texas tweeted out Herman's quote upon becoming the Longhorns coach, that, quote, we will win championships, we will build men of character, we will graduate our players, and we will do it all with integrity and class. Now, they've handled it, Houston has, with integrity and class. But I would suspect that some people left behind at Houston might take a little issue with the grandstanding of all the integrity and class talk uh, I don't think Herman's camp showed a lot of that as they walked out the door. And again, I, I I do get it. It's a great opportunity. Look, Houston's not Texas. Texas is one of the premier football programs in the nation. Houston's not that. I get this is a great opportunity. But I guess unless it's a playoff bowl game, the other bowl games just don't really matter. Because Herman's not sticking around for one more go of it at Houston. Because the bowl game doesn't matter. If this was a playoff bowl game, absolutely he'd still be there. And there is absolutely no integrity and class if those people who represent him did indeed use the press to pit the two schools against each other. All the while leaving Houston and Ed Orgeron, I mean, these two all they could do was sit by and watch there was nothing they could do you know their future was going to be determined for them sports is cruel at times even dirty in the way things get done I, I we all know that it's no real surprise it's just it's just the way things are done lsu might even have been able to lure jimbo fisher away from florida state last year if they were better at keeping things out of the press and didn't have to end up bringing Miles back for five games. That's, that's the whole thing just was got, got really messed up. Now they want to pull offensive coordinator Lane Kiffin away from Alabama. Oregon is rumored to want Florida's Jim McAway. I mean, it's the way things are done. They you know, everybody's going to pull from somebody else. It's just how it is. Uh There isn't always integrity or class involved. It's a dog-eat-dog world, and people, just as they do in business or many other facets of life, they're going to do what's best for them. The people who get stepped on along the way or who get hurt along the way, they're just simply collateral damage. I can't blame somebody completely for shopping themselves for a better opportunity. Go ahead, shop. If there's a chance to move forward, to, to take a step ahead to get a promotion, and, and certainly Texas is a promotion over Houston. If you're creating a better situation for you and your family, that's great. We live in a commuter, a commuter, a consumer society. We shop for everything from garbage service to phone plans. Just look at all the car advertisements. Just think how little a car might cost if they weren't running ads every few minutes. Doesn't everyone buy a new car for Christmas? Based on the ads you see, you'd think that everybody did. We even shop for churches. And unfortunately, though, I think many people do it without integrity and class. Oftentimes, it's not that people are looking for a church which is more aligned with their doctrinal beliefs. It's more for what makes them feel good. Heck, if it's trendy enough or if the coffee is good enough— there are a number of people who would even compromise on some of those doctrinal beliefs. Even more troubling, many don't know or hold to any doctrinal belief. For all they know, the only thing that makes one church different from any other is the music style or, or the brand of coffee they serve. How often do they have a luncheon? What do they serve at those luncheons? That's what I want in a church. Now, I don't understand this. I'm not saying it's not important to be comfortable. Of course it is. And I have no objection. If an individual prefers a certain type of service over another, they're spurred into a spirit of worship by a certain style of music as compared with another, I have no problem. Go to the church that fits you. If your spirit is lifted by the way a particular church does things as compared to another, praise God. But that's only if all things are equal. Don't compromise what you believe in. You need to know your Bible well enough that you would know when it's not Bible that you're being taught. Ephesians 4.14 warns against not growing spiritually, remaining so childlike in the faith that you're not learned enough to discern false teaching. Perhaps it's not intentional, even sometimes. Maybe it's it's not intended to be deceitful by the teacher. It's simply that they don't know their Bible well enough either and really have no business doing the teaching. They were just asked. The church needed somebody. There's such a lack of leadership. They just propped somebody up. Ephesians 4.14 says, "...so that we may no longer be children." tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Second Peter three seventeen and 18 says, You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity." Some people search for a church that has a relaxed schedule that's more convenient for them. Some look for a church that has certain activities. Maybe I want to go to a church that has a softball team or other fun things to do. They don't get substantial biblical teaching, and they end up feeling empty and wanting. What has to be understood is that the church is not simply the building in which the people people meet. The church is The church is those people. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you're part of the church. You should be engaged in growing spiritually. You should be engaged in serving others. And if your church, your church should be providing opportunities. They should be assisting you in that. And if they're not, then it's a dead church. Move on. Get searching. Get plugged in among people where you will be encouraged to grow in your faith. There are people who never really commit to any particular church group, instead choose to bounce around. They listen to one speaker one week. Maybe they go to another church on another week because they're having an event. They just bounce around. When you realize that you have a part in the body of Christ, that you have a part in your local church, that you have something to offer, then you're going you're gonna to invest, or at least you should, invest in a group of people and become rooted in that body and love those people. I think we're both blessed and cursed here in America, you know, in most towns, because of the number of churches that we have. In some places, there aren't those that, that many options. There may only be one good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and it might be some distance away. But when those people are invested in the lives of other people and they find themselves growing closer to God— they're going to travel to be a part of a work that God is doing, moving from a church which is no longer serving, no longer honoring God, which is teaching false doctrine, maybe maybe even heretical beliefs. Moving from such a church is a good thing. Moving because you want to blend in, nobody will see you, slip in, slip out, or moving because you want to be less accountable. Well, that's not okay. It's not okay to abandon a group of people just because a church has coffee and donuts and your church only has coffee. My challenge to you is to be deeply rooted in your church. Be fully invested. Be fully involved, making a difference in the lives of others as they make a difference in your life, like a family would. Don't be someone who shows up and is entertained, but who is never engaged. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This past Sunday, my pastor made this statement. He said, the church's strength is the people of God working together. I think that's a great statement. You want to abandon your spouse or your children, at least I, I would hope that you wouldn't, because they said or did something you didn't like, or because they didn't agree with you about every last thing imaginable. I hope you're committed to your family so that you work through those differences and that you see one another through both good and bad times. That's how a church is supposed to be. And it starts with each one of us. Be the person that so genuinely reflects Jesus Christ that people are compelled to want to be a part of it with you. Sometimes people can get so comfortable in whatever state that they're in that they're no longer growing. Notice I didn't say that they weren't busy. They may very well be, but sometimes we're we're just so disengaged with our family or with our brothers and sisters in the faith that we're just busy going through the motions and not really living. We're not really growing. People are comfortable slipping into church and not engaging in the message, just thinking about whatever, lunch later that day, the football game that's coming on, whatever. They're not engaged in the message. They're comfortable pulling nursery duty once a month, but never really involving themselves in the lives of other people. Jesus scolded the church at Laodicea. He told them that they're not even hot or cold. Revelation chapter three verses fifteen through seventeen. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Jesus said, I wish you were one or the other. So because verse sixteen. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And that's many people. That's many churches. People can get so comfortable that they don't think they need anything anymore. They have it all. They don't need more friends, more involvement, more knowledge. But God purposed each believer to be involved in his work. I love spending time with people just at lunch, coffee, wherever, spending time with believers. They think I'm investing in them, and I am, but at the same time, they're investing in me. They're blessing me. They're holding me accountable. They're encouraging me. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. I want to encourage you to be committed and involved with a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Get plugged into a small group there. I hope. I hope your church has that. Find someone to pour into and somebody who will pour into you. Jesus said to make disciples, and that's exactly how it's done, by investing in others. And be part of serving other people somewhere. Be a part of a ministry that serving somebody, using your gifts, using your talents. If you're saved, if you are a believer in Christ, you have a gift and talent, use it within your church to honor him. And as I said, no matter who you are or where you go to church, if God's people are ever going to make a difference in this world, we need to be the kind of people who will so genuinely reflect Jesus Christ that others are drawn to him. They're compelled to be a part. I hope that encourages somebody listening this morning. I know it encouraged me when God laid it on my heart and as I was preparing to share it. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game brought to you by Town & Country Test Solutions. We'll be back right after this.
1: Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town and Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585 426 5024. That's 585 426 5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number 585 426 5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God.
3: If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA National Championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
0: Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. I go, cat go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Glad to have you with us here on the Beyond the Game program. You, can do anything, you, you found the number one rated, rated faith-based sports talk show among the people polled in that beautiful area of Central Florida where Routes 98 and 60 come together. <laughs> Those people love our show. To all of you and Bartow, we thank you for listening and thanks for listening wherever it is you are, too. The Cleveland Browns are 0-12, staring squarely at the possibility of a winless season. And, of course, the closer they get to that unfortunate goose egg in the win column, you know, the louder some people get suggesting that this losing streak is, an inten- is intentional. They want to secure the top draft pick. And in this instance, that's just absurd. Yeah, I mean, there's, first off, if you've watched the Browns even for a minute, they've played hard. They play hard for Hugh Jackson and
2: and they have they finally have some actual legitimate talent on this team.
0: Yeah, and secondly, who you, really? There's nobody in the upcoming draft worth tanking for, is there?
2: No, there's no Andrew Luck, there's no uh I, I don't know. The, that that obvious clear number one guy. There's not even a Jared Goff, really, is there in this draft?
0: No. And that term is thrown around quite a bit when teams suffer losing seasons. It's rarely uttered by those teams themselves. And the phrase that seems to have taken on varying definitions. To me, tanking Would indicate it's intentional. It's, it's, it's losing on purpose. But I've talked to some people recently who use it to describe teams who intentional otherwise are losing and who are now in the race for the top draft pick. I don't think that's tanking, you know, and I really don't think the Browns are doing it intentionally. Mitch Trubisky?
1: Is that (laughs) who you want?
0: jonathan allen a defensive end you don't tank for a defensive end right you know Uh, i really don't think the browns are tanking but this the suggestion does lead to the well-covered but kind of always interesting discussion does tanking work you know and and the problem is you don't really know of any team that's actually tanked so it's hard to say if it's one i mean people Teams will deny tanking. Oh, yeah.
2: No one ever – if you ask the actual teams, no one's ever tanked in history because no one
0: ever would admit. Right. You know, it's yeah. It's like that line in the Shawshank Redemption, you know, everyone in prison is in, is innocent. You <laughs> exactly, <know? laughs> exactly. Just like you don't know the heart of another person. You don't know if a tr- team is truly tanking. So don't you think that in actuality, Zach, it becomes a discussion of does losing equate to winning? I mean, if that's the question, then yes, I, I think it does. But it it's not a foregone conclusion. There's a lot more than just getting the top draft pick. Yeah. There's many variables involved. The players still need to play well. The rosters need to be properly managed. you got to avoid injuries. You can't you know. accidentally
2: win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> While well, people are quick to point to the Browns or point to the 76ers as evidence of losing, or even having the top draft pick that, that it doesn't work. Look at the Browns, you know, and I saw right. that a little bit this week. You were having a discussion on social media and a lot of people said, well, look at the Sixers. Look at the Browns. Mm-hmm. But I would say, look at the Cubs. Look exactly. at the Tampa Bay Rays. Look at the Kansas City Royals. Look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Blackhawks. They all, because of their losing, got guys in the top five draft
2: pick. Yeah. You have to lose the right way, I guess.
0: Well, whatever, whether it's whether it's intentional or, or whether it's just it just happened, you know, we're rebuilding. And there is such a thing, we're rebuilding. We're trying to put a winner together. Uh, and I, those are only teams that won championships. You know, there are other teams. Well, I said the Rays. So I guess they didn't win a championship, but they were pretty competitive. They
2: went to a World Series. They went I to a
0: World that. Series. Now, obviously, it's not enough to have the picks. You have to build around them. The Yankees were very good at building around a team. But I, I would say that if you look back at the champions, you see that they, they're they losing equated to, to top draft picks that, uh, well, except for the Golden State Warriors, you know. <laughs> and there's probably exceptions to that. So you can't really always say that losing automatically equates because, as the Warriors pointed out, they, they finish in the bottom of the league thousand eight two thousand ten these these years they were pretty bad but they've never picked above number seven yeah. Curry was an ele- uh Curry was a seven Clay Thompson was an eleven Draymond Green was the thirty fifth overall so it, it takes some wisdom but would you want your team remember last year was it the year before last year Saber fans are rooting for their team to lose
2: <laughs> I. That leads into a discussion about draft lotteries, which I hate and is a whole other discussion. But I it it would be tough to say, let's go out and let's just lose. You know? I think I think the most important thing about it and what I would root for is what we saw the Yankees do in July. Is all right, we're gonna trade away some of these good players that it hurts to lose, but what we're going to get back is going to set us up for the next decade. And that's what we saw the Cubs do. That's what we see the smart teams do. They don't just blow it up and play terribly and lose and lose and lose just to lose. They're sort of blowing it up, but they're doing it with a goal in mind, and they're following the, the pathway. Here's
0: the thing. Losing equates to empty stadiums. Yes. And empty stadiums equate to no money to do anything. Uh, th- this is a topic that actually we should bring up again so we can spend a little more time on it. But I, I-, I think tanking – I think tanking it lacks integrity to do it on purpose, but I do think losing can equate to winning. Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. Proverbs 27.2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. I want to praise Texans star J.J. Watt. He donated $10,000 to a Houston area high school football player injured in a game last weekend, now in a coma, Senior Grant Milton's injury required emergency uh, surgery. Watt included a note to the family, uh, published the GoFundMe page. I just think J.J. Watt and his compassion, community involvement, and most importantly, his action in helping, it's what I like this week. You like that? You
2: like that? My You Like That this week is the Calgary Hitmen of Canada's Western Hockey League who held their annual Teddy Bear Toss for Charity Fans threw over 20,000 teddy bears onto the ice, all of which went to children's charities. Watching 20,000 teddy bears rain down onto the ice was pretty awesome. Knowing it's for a good cause, it's even better. That's what I liked this week.
0: That that was so... (laughs) Yeah. Many Teddy bears. Awesome. If you're watching on Vimeo, you can see the clip. It, man, so many. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game's been brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call. If you got a pest problem, you got bugs coming in, 585-426-5024 or visit them at townandcountrysolutions.com. Tell them Benson and Zach sent you. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back again to together next week, right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody.